Welcome to Range, stories of the new American West. I'm Amy Westervelt. We have a special crossover episode today with Bearcat, a podcast for serious women. Bearcat's first episode features Rita Collins, the Montana-based proprietor of the country's first traveling bookstore. I thought Range listeners would enjoy what Rita has to say about the benefits of living in rural Montana and traveling throughout the West in her mobile bookstore. Enjoy. There's some stories that are like, I mean, just amazing. I think, why are these people telling me this story? And maybe part of it is the transiency of of passing through. It's like, oh, it's a traveling bookstore. She's going to be gone tomorrow. Welcome to Bearcat, a podcast for serious women. I'm Brittany Shute. I'm Amy Westervelt. And you just heard in the intro, Rita Collins, a traveling bookseller from Montana. I got to meet Rita last year when she parked her converted van-turned bookstore in San Francisco for several days. I remember how excited you were when you met her. Actually, I think you described meeting her as life-changing. I probably did. I'm a little <laughs> you prone to... You definitely su- did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I tend to be prone to superlatives, and I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. <laughs> I later learned that the first time I met Rita, she had set up her bookstore for the public the same way that she typically does. She has sturdy wooden bookshelves that are built into this older model, sort of a white sprinter van. It has a sliding door. It is a van and a large space to step through. Rita had a big metal grab bar installed and she puts down a wooden step that makes it easier to get up inside. And the door is wide open, so it's fairly well lit, but there's also a small light in the ceiling that's powered by a solar panel on the van roof. Hmm. Wherever she goes, Rita sets up a card table and some stools. They come out of the back. Everything that she has fits into the van as she travels. She sets those up wherever she goes, and so she's right out front of the bookstore to greet passersby and encourage people to stop and talk and browse a little bit. This sounds really charming and like a perfect idea for a traveling business. It really is. And it's so innovative in that it isn't difficult to find either street parking or a friendly local business that will let Rita set up shop for a few hours. I thought about that when you were when you were describing her to me before that like at first I was like, how would she do that in San Francisco? But actually, there's plenty of parking lots um, or like, you know, yeah, businesses that would be like, sure, set up your bookstore <laughs> in front. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. There are uh, most cities have some kind of spot that will welcome her. Some places she can just get street parking. Mm-hmm. And like you said, some places have a parking lot. The day we met, she was parked in one of my favorite Bay Area institutions, the San Francisco Center for the Book. It's a nonprofit that offers several hundred workshops every year in papermaking, bookbinding, and letterpress printing, just to name a few of the things that they specialize in. Anything awesome. anything related to books and paper, you can probably learn to do it from these folks. The center is located in the Dogpatch neighborhood in this sort of industrial area with a lot of old warehouses converted to mostly newer businesses at this point. So there's a small parking lot attached to the center. This little parking lot was a perfect spot for Rita to roll out her awning, 
put up her folding chairs and card table. And on the card table, she puts up a swivel stand of paperbacks and she has a manual typewriter. Wait a minute. Why does she have an old typewriter at her traveling bookstore? <laughs> and, and also, second question, how did you even know Rita was going to be in that parking lot that day? Like, How do people find her? This is a good question. The Center for the Book included a very, I mean, small one sentence blurb about Rita's bookstore in their email newsletter. And I just happened to spot it. It sounded like the exact sort of thing that as a reporter, but also as a person, mm-hmm. I just love. It combines everything that I care about. Rita has managed to combine a lot of things that she loves as much as I do. Books, traveling, talking to interesting people she meets along the way. I mean, and typing. Mm -hmm. Don't forget the typing. So that really draws people into the bookstore. Here's Rita to explain a little bit about the manual typewriter. Sometimes I'll put up a sign, like if you type something, you get a dollar off purchase or things like that, just to encourage people to type. And one time this man, a young man, sat down, he typed an entire page. I mean, he got to the bottom and I could tell it was going to, like, I mean, yeah. he wasn't going to be able to type anymore. And I said, I do have more paper. And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm finished. I said, would well, you want to take it? And he said, no, you can keep it. And then he left and then I read it and it was just this really sad story about a friend of his who died. And it was just like, why is he typing this here on my typewriter? I mean, it's just like, it's, I don't know, it's just something about the space that I never would have anticipated. That is really lovely. I feel like we should pause here to mention why we see Rita as a bear cat. For me, it's that she's managed to take all of these things that she loves and also maybe things that she and plenty of other people are nostalgic for today. So typing books like paper books that you hold in your hands. <laughs> physical books. Physical books. Person to person contact. And create really, well, okay, her best life, as people say. <laughs> yeah. No, she has. I mean, that's that's exactly what she's doing. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the fact that she wanted to have a bookstore in her small town in, in northern Montana. And the town is just too small to support it. Mm. Only about a thousand people live there. It's a vibrant, creative community. They have an incredible number of artists, but there's just, there's only so much commerce that you can support in a small town of mm-hmm. that size. Mm-hmm. I lived overseas for eight years, and when I came back, um, I thought, well, I want to live in Montana, and I've always wanted a bookstore. So before I came back, I actually went and took a one-week course with the American Booksellers Association on, it's called something like, so you want to start a bookstore. Well, really, within a few days, I was convinced, they were convinced, I would never really have a financially viable bookstore in a town with a thousand people. So so it's like they just said, yeah, no, you, you really shouldn't do this. There's no way you'll manage rent and utilities and all of that. But then it's like, what about a traveling bookstore? So, you know, for me, it's that she created this life where she gets to do all of these very important things things that are important to her, but they're also important to other people. Mm -hmm. She gets people reading. She gets to engage in person-to-person conversation, often with strangers, people from very different backgrounds. That's something that, you know, I think we're all seeking Mm -hmm. to some degree. And some of us are better at it than others, but we need practice, right? Yeah. So she's out there and doing it. And for the most part, it financially 
it's a self-sustaining thing. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to make a lot of money. Most people donate the books to her. Books that she doesn't sell, she donates to a prison literacy program. So that just feeds right back into another good way to do this. That's awesome. It makes me think too of, um, you know, I live in a small town and we, um, the last bookstore went out of business like four or five years ago and everybody was really bummed out about it. Of like, course they were. We have a library, but we didn't have a bookstore. And this young couple um, decided that they were going to open a bookstore. And I like I go there, I've made a point of going in there once a month to buy books because I feel like, you know, it's something to me, it's important that the town I live in has an actual physical bookstore. <laughs> I agree. It's great. And like they have, you know, readings there and they have a really nice um, couple of like reading sections and they encourage people to actually like hang out there and yeah. read books, which I think is nice too. So like, yeah, yeah I don't know. There are several really small bookstores like that in San Francisco. There's one yeah. really close to me that um, where I live and work in the financial district. And it is, it's in an alley huh. and it's an old book. It's like a book stall. It's very, it has like a very Parisian feel. Yeah. It's been there. Cool. It's been there forever. It's run by a small collective of people. And hmm. again, it's an area where doesn't seem like something like that could or should thrive. Yeah. But it's really in demand. People yeah. like to just stop by. Yes. Same with Rita. Yeah, it's fun to just see something like that and swing by and talk to somebody for 10 minutes and pick up, you know, whatever you didn't know you were looking for. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So anyway, in the days that I spent with Rita, because it turned into multiple days, <laughs> <laughs> no one actually sat down and typed anything on the typewriter mm -hmm. but we did have some very unique and if you'll forgive the expression cosmic moments mm -hmm. um i know that's a bit of a woo-woo west coast term hey and man. again <laughs> hey man and i know again it sounds funny but it's but it's accurate mm -hmm. at one point we were sitting and talking in the sun and a quiet young guy with a backpack came by he went into the bookstore van for a little bit and he came out with the Sylvia Plath classic, The Bell Jar, mm -hmm. and a book about Native American culture. He asked Rita if she took credit cards, which she doesn't, and at least she didn't at that time. Mm -hmm. And he started to climb back into the bookstore to put the books back. So I was just sitting there and I offered to buy his books if he promised to buy someone else a book someday. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's this rule in journalism that reporters don't get involved with their subjects. Right. But it seemed absurd that he would put back books that were, I think, maybe $7. I had $7. Yeah, it totally makes sense that you'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> I made an exception because I was there to talk to Rita as a journalist, but I was really drawn to the ways in which we see the world the same way. Mm -hmm. She's not doing this to make money. Not that there's anything wrong with making money. Mm -hmm. But for her, it's more about traveling and talking to people. And wouldn't you know, once somebody else saw me pick up the tab for that guy they started buying books for somebody else. That's amazing. Yeah. Are you kidding? I'm not Are kidding. Are making this up to make a good story? <laughs> I'm not. Um, at one point, Mary Austin, the founder of the Center for the Book, and an all-around amazing, if incredibly humble, San Francisco philanthropist came by. I don't think other people knew who she was. It was this was this very like like big city small town kind of moment where mm -hmm. she wrote a check for the books that she was buying, and at the end she was like, "I'm gonna round up because if someone is short later, then I can cover them." She didn't know that I had done that, but it was just another way that this kept happening. It's just the spirit of what Rita is doing and what she brings out in others. I have faith in other people. I mean, I kind of expect other people, you know to be good. I mean, that's my default, is that they're going to be good, or at least kind of average. And I'm always surprised when it doesn't turn out that way. <laughs> 
So I'm pretty much the same way. And pretty quickly, as a result, Rita and I decided that we had a fairly special kinship or whatever you want to call recognizing and being open to this kind of very, you know, instant connection, if you will. Totally. I know there are other types of traveling boutiques like we talked about and there's like the whole food truck craze and all that. But I've never heard of a traveling bookstore and I feel like bookstores in general are struggling. And I know she was having a hard time making it work in her town. So how does she like keep it all going? Rita retired from teaching in May of 2017. So just a couple of months before we met last year, Mm -hmm. she's been driving the bookstore around for the past two summers um, as sort of a side thing. And she's taking it out again this spring and summer. What Rita realized is that she could have a traveling bookstore. And while she hadn't planned to retire, when she did, having the bookstore became something she could do as long as it mostly pays for itself. Your town is so creative. Like, that's, I feel like I that's a misconception so. that people have about small towns. Exactly. Yeah. And and I've, I've even written about this because I think people, especially like rural small, well, it's probably the same in Iowa, right? Oh, it's just farmers or ranchers or whatever. And there are people that don't think and they don't. But it's like, no, you know, people making their own musical instruments, people writing songs, people. I mean, I'm in a writer's group that meets every week that I, I think are just remarkable writers. And so it's just there are a lot of creative people doing things there. And, and part of it is that they have the time because they're not working so much because the cost of living is, I mean, you have your house out in the forest you don't even need to pay for electricity if you don't want or water you're paying your land taxes and for your car i mean that's about it so talking to rita ends up being a really interesting lesson in not only the benefits of what i would like to call uh stopping and talking to people Mm -hmm. but she also gives me a lot to consider as a fellow self-employed person Mm -hmm. about the overlap between doing the things that pay you well and doing the things that you love yeah. Amy, you and I talk about this a lot. Yes. As journalists, yes. as writers who have been freelancing for a very long time. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes trying to do the things that you love as the thing that you do or the mm-hmm. thing that you do for work is perceived negatively. But that's a weird thing that we have. You know, I think mm-hmm. ideally we should all be doing work that we love if we can. If you can find meaning in the thing that you need to do to make money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, why not? And that's the thing that I ended up Uh, you know, thinking a lot about after I spent time with Rita. She really inspires me to think about things more that way. And I think she inspires many people to consider things in the same light. Often there'll be people who want to travel with me. People I know who'll say, well, can I go on the next trip with you? So now it's actually pretty rare that I I travel by myself because it's like there's always all these other people that want to be traveling with me. How do you feel about that? Oh, I like it. I mean, it's it's always interesting. And I just feel bad because I can only take one person. So, Brittany, did you and Rita end up staying in touch? Amy, this story really only gets better and better. <laughs> um, in the months since, yes, in the months <laughs> in the months since I met Rita, she invited me to go on the road with her. You're kidding. Are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. Of course I am. <laughs> we leave later this year, uh, 2018, uh, the 1st of April. And we swing through several Midwestern states where if anyone happens to be listening uh, around Montana, Woodstock, Illinois, or Indianapolis, you should send us a note. We would love to meet up with you. Maybe we'll sell you a book or two. That's so awesome. I can't wait to hear about your travels. Does this mean that you're going to be opening your own traveling bookstore soon? We're going to have to do a follow-up episode because I really am considering it. 
Rita invited me to go on the road, as she has with several other people, I feel compelled to point out, <laughs> um, to see how I like bookselling, to see how I like running a traveling bookstore, to see if these things fit my personality and what, you know, what my own Venn diagram of what I love and what I need to do. Where the overlap is. Where's Yeah, where's the overlap for me between what I, what I love and what I need to do to make money and how I can do both of those things. Awesome. At one point, Rita also suggested that I take the bookstore out on my own, but I'd rather go with her, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and what better way to find out if I want to be a traveling bookseller than to go out and apprentice with my new friend? So good. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to like see the pictures and hear the stories. We'll be we'll be back in mid-April. I'll, I'll I mean, it's not going to be that long until I have an update. Awesome. <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. This is the first episode of season one of Bearcat. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. We've got several coming up for you over the next few months. Our music is by David Whited and illustrations are by Jennifer Kirkham. You can find us online at bearcatpodcast.com. And if you want to send us a note, you can do that at hey at bearcatpodcast.com. That's H-E-Y. Yeah, send us a note. Let us know if you want to recommend any Bearcats for future episodes or if you want to meet up with Brittany and Rita on their road trip soon. Yeah, we'll be out there. If you think other serious women would enjoy listening to Bearcat, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks for listening. Do you think that men have a similar, do you think that they don't like to listen to their voices the way that we don't like to listen to our voices? Because I don't think they do. I think I they like. I think they actually have the opposite. I think they love it. Where they love it. Yeah. They just love Matt it. loves to listen to his voice. He keeps asking me when he's going to get to be on the radio. <laughs> oh. <laughs>